0: Hello, welcome everyone to the Cross Point Church Scripture Podcast. So good to be with you. Looking forward to getting into our verse of the day, seeing how it can uh, strengthen our walk with Christ, bring some peace, encouragement in our lives, give us some heavenly perspective on a world that um, often seems so out of control. And it's definitely out of my control. And so I love to go to God's word because he's the one who knows. God is the one who's in control, not me. And the time I spend in his word, I'm spending time with the one who's in control. No matter what I see, I know that God is good for it. No matter what happens to me in my little life, I know that God is good for it and that he has a hold of me. And his word is a good place to see that. And a good place in his word to see that is Psalm 91 which is where we're going to be today, if you want to turn there. Psalm 91, man, it's a beautiful um, hymn. It's a beautiful poem, a prayer of worship and praise to the God who is our refuge and our fortress. Our refuge and our fortress. God can be trusted. And so um, we go to Psalm 91, and our verse for today is verse 2. So we're in Psalm 91, verse 2, and it says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Psalm 91, verse 2 from the ESV says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So first of all, we can see the theme um, of this psalm is right here in the second verse, and it go it goes throughout, and we'll we'll look further just to see, because this is just such a wonderful prayer that I don't think I'm going to be able to help reading quite a bit of it, but just initially we get the entire, uh, the main theme or the beating heart behind this passage of scripture right here in these verses. Also, um, I, I don't know if the phrasing th- throws you off or not, but What it's saying is, I will say to the Lord, and then we would think, it's just an introduction here, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, so where's the message, right? I will say to the Lord, and then it's like the psalmist addresses God by these titles, and then what did he want to say to the Lord? But that's not what's going on here. What's happening is the psalmist is proclaiming these truths about God, that this is who God is to them my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, you might ask, and, and I think it's important, uh, does God need us to tell him who he is? Doesn't he know already? Doesn't God know who he is? And I'd say 300% sure God definitely knows who he is. He doesn't need us to tell him who he is. We need to remind ourselves often who God is. And so, you know, even this morning when I'm recording this episode, I'm thinking, I need to say these words to remind myself of who God is. And what goes deeper here is that Psalm 91, verse 2, could just say, the Lord is a refuge and a fortress and a God who can be trusted. And that would be true and good. And there's other parts of the scripture that put it that way. But what uh, verse two actually says is, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. We do a lot of picking on the I, me, my stuff that goes on in our culture. This is America I'm talking about here. Very self-centered, me-centered culture. And there's a lot of I, me, my that goes on. And we the church is often very critical of that, and I and I think we have to be, since the Bible teaches us that we're in a God-centered universe. You know that this universe is centered upon God, um, that we have to fight back against a or at least resist a culture that pushes a me-centered universe on us. And so I understand all that, but what can happen is by slamming too hard on on individualism we can miss the fact that there are many places in the Bible where we are encouraged to personally own our relationship with God. Okay. We don't own God. We can't tell him what to do, but we are to from the depths of our heart, take ownership of our relationship with him because he's opened the door to us in Jesus Christ and offered us his very self, his Holy spirit, his salvation, his eternal, steadfast, unfailing love, then we can, with the psalmist, use those I, me, mine words towards our relationship with the Lord, and we can say to the Lord, not just about him, but to him, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And what you've entered in there to is, what, you've, what we have entered into when we speak these words in faith is we've entered into worshiping God in spirit and truth. Isn't that cool? These words lead us into that God-word focus and direction of our heart to face the Lord, so to speak, turn towards him in our hearts and, and tell him who he is to us. Own it and define ourselves by him. (laughs) So that has a lot to do with our biblical prayer and meditation is settling into verses like this and not making them say what we would like them to say, but owning from our own heart the truth that it gives us. And uh, what we can see a little bit in microcosm of this is Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 Kind of do this. So watch what happens in verse 1. There's a truth declared. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So there's this like proclamation. It's a good and a true one. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that's God, of course, a title for him, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So if we shelter with God, if we live sheltered under God, we will abide in his shadow. And I don't know how that strikes you. It's an unusual way for us to speak in our time, but the picture here is we'll be so near to God and he will stand over us in such a way, (coughs) excuse me, that his shadow will be over us in in a good way. And so it's a place of safety. And uh, from that proclamation, just that general, like, here's a truth comes the ownership of it in verse two. Okay, so the psalmist has heard, has proclaimed, he who dwells in the shelter will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So what you see is the psalmist reaches out by faith, and grabs a hold of the promise that's being shared there in verse one. So it's a powerful thing. And that's what we should do as we pray our way through our Bibles. Now, so often on Crosspoint Scripture Podcasts, we'll say, we have to pay attention to context and what did this scripture mean to its original audience because we have such a bad habit of taking verses that don't, say, include us or aren't necessarily about our current situation we're going through. We have to be careful about grabbing verses and saying, God is telling me what's going to happen in my current situation. We have to be careful of that because... Down that way leads pride, yes, but also heartbreak, hopelessness, and a deconstructed faith as we try to make God's word say what we want him to or make God do what we think he should in our situations. When he doesn't come through because he won't, he's not going to be controlled by us in that way, and we have misdirected our faith. When we do that, we're really running a risk, so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about doing our homework figuring out what the Bible's actually saying. But when we do have a good, firm grasp on it, then we need to grab it. We need to make it our own. We need to live in it. And that's done by prayer and faith. The Psalm 91 goes on to say, For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. (laughs) Now, that's good stuff. It's great prayer, something to be reading uh, against fear and any oppression of the devil. I mean, th- these are just great words. Where can we see Christ in these verses? I wanted to read the whole thing to us because, all in all, this psalm is a, is a prophecy about Christ. It's a prophecy about Jesus when he would come and, and what place he would play in God's heart and God's plan. You see him trampling um, the serpent underfoot. You remember from Genesis 3 and 15 that... Um, seed would be born to Eve and that the serpent would bruise his heel, but he would um, bruise his head, uh, crush his head. So um, this is all in all a, a prophecy about Christ. I wish we had time to go into the whole thing. We don't. But where can we see Christ in these verses? Here's one extremely important way we can. If you read this psalm straight out, you could go and say, there has been some some pestilence that has come near me. Um, I have, these bad things have touched my life. So is God not good for his word or what? And what we're being, we're having our eyes lifted to Christ to see from God's perspective. Our perspective is some bad things come in our life and they get us and we wish they didn't, but they do. And I know some people listening today, you've had some terrible things happen in your life and you're thinking, where was God? And are these promises just religious poetry to make me feel better about things, but they're not actually true. I want to encourage you that you're not wrong to ask, to be impassioned to ask, what about these promises? What about these prayers? Is God good for his word? But what I would ask us to do is lift our perspective. This is not our personal promise that no bad thing will ever happen to us. If that's true, you should throw your Bible away today because it doesn't work. But what it is is a true prophecy that though, listen, though Jesus was afflicted in every way that we are. He lost friends. He got hurt, thirsty, and tired. He was betrayed by his friends. He was falsely accused and condemned. He was rejected by men. He was crucified, tortured to death in a very personal and painful way. Though these things came and touched him, God redeemed them all by raising him from the grave. He will never die again. He conquered death on our behalf. And now he forever lives untouched and untouchable by death, Suffering, pain, whatever, and in the meantime, we are headed that way as well. So, what happened in Jesus' life in a short time—crucified, lived, crucified, died, rose again—is happening in a longer way, in a bigger way, towards all the people who put their faith in Christ. So, you may be going through your own personal crucifixion in this life. You will go through your own personal resurrection when we see Christ again. So, again, I'm over my usual time we usually take for these episodes. I apologize for that, but. I just thought that particular point is important and especially when we read these powerful prayers because we don't, I don't want the enemy to steal these from you by saying, ah, oh, but there are some times when some bad things have happened to you. It isn't the point. This is a deeper thing going on here. Okay. All right, guys. What a pleasure. Um, love Psalm 90, 91. One of my favorites. I recommend it to you as, as even even a daily prayer. This would be a good idea. All right. I'll see you next time.